Today on Blue 58, the Packers' final preseason game is bearing down on us. How will things sort out among the Packers' position battles? Who comes out on top? And what, if anything, can the Packers really do to change their roster going forward? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. We're about 48 hours out as I record this from the Packers' final preseason game, and they've got a few really interesting position battles going on. A small correction from the last episode, one of those position battles does not include Rashid Walker and Yash Nyman battling it out at safety. Apparently a bit of a, a brain fart on my part there, saying that Walker and Nyman were playing safety. Just ran the numbers on that, just for kicks. Rashid Walker did not test prior to the 2022 NFL draft, but we do have some testing numbers on Yash Nyman. He's about a 174 relative athletic score if you want him to play safety. I say give him a shot. The Packers have had big safeties before. Remember Aaron Rouse back in the, I guess, early 2000s, we can say now. He was pretty big, 6'4", 223. Maybe Nyman can be even better, really shake things up at the position. It's not like they have a ton of better options at this point. That's the correction, though. They're playing offensive line, not safety. There is a position battle at offensive line, and it is one of the things we're going to talk about today, but I thought we'd take some time and basically run through the big battles going on both on offense and on defense. On offense, the battle that has drawn, I think, the most attention is the third running back one. Now, I know that running back, the third string running back, doesn't boil down to a whole lot of playing time. And it's probably not somebody who's going to be actually on the 53-man roster. You're probably going to have one or two running backs on the practice squad, and the Packers will elevate them as they need them, assuming that nothing happens to Aaron Jones or or A.J. Dillon. That third back, though, probably isn't going to play all that much. But it comes down, I think, to to two guys with somebody else kind of hanging around in, in the wings. First, Emmanuel Wilson, I think, has been the best on offense. He's the Packers' leading rusher in the preseason. Even outside of his 80-yard run, he's been impressive, averaging 4.7 yards per carry, not including that big touchdown run. For comparison's sake, Patrick Taylor is at just 3.1 yards per carry. The trouble with Wilson is that he's barely played on special teams. He's played two special team snaps through two games, and Matt LaFleur has said repeatedly he wants their third running back, whether it's on the 53 or a practice squad guy, to have some special teams value, and Wilson just hasn't shown it to this point. As far as that offensive performance goes, I think it's been good enough that you can't entirely chalk it up to playing against backups. In the 21 touches he's had, well, 21 carries he's had, another two catches on top of that, but you wouldn't really expect a catch to end up for a loss or or no yards. But of those 21 carries, he's only had one go for a loss and one go for no gain. He's consistently produced yards, and it's been, I think, to a point that you can't ignore it. He's been good. Just how does it shake out compared to where the Packers are at with Patrick Taylor? Speaking of Patrick Taylor, he has been involved pretty much everywhere. He has taken snaps everywhere on special teams except for field goals and extra points, which is about what you would expect. The Packers don't usually use a body type like a running back on field goals or extra points. I can't think of anybody that really does. You just want your biggest, burliest guys there to stop people from coming up the middle and then some tight end types on the wings to pretend or to protect the edges. He does it all outside of that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that he's played less on offense. If the Packers feel like they know what they have from him, 
there's really no reason to put him out there and just get banged up. Somebody has to soak up those carries. Maybe they're just putting Emmanuel Wilson out there because they just need someone to burn through those plays. That does happen from time to time. Those are the two main contenders, but there's also a third player in consideration here. And this is more a question than something I can really speculate on with any kind of authority. But does Lou Nichols being a draft pick count for anything? The Packers have seen literally nothing of him in the preseason. He's barely practiced, if at all, because of a a hamstring injury very early in camp. Does it still count for his roster chances that he was a draft pick? If the Packers aren't going to keep a third running back, I'd say, no, it doesn't count for anything because they're going to want to go with the guys that they've seen. But does he end up sticking around in Green Bay at all on the practice squad in some capacity just because he was a draft pick? Those are the sorts of things that get really frustrating, I would have to imagine, if you were one of these guys fighting for these roster spots. Because say you're Patrick Taylor or Emmanuel Wilson, you've been out there in practice every day, you know, putting it on the line, trying to stay as healthy as you can, producing when you've gotten the opportunities. And yet you still have to wonder if they're just going to go with the guy that they picked in the draft instead of you just because they picked the guy in the draft. You've outperformed him, but are things going to get political? We know that that does happen from time to time. And it's not Lou Nichols' fault. I mean, you could get mad at your teammate for being a draft pick when you're not if you want, but he can't do anything about that. Do the Packers want to keep him around just because they picked him, though, at this point? Because I think you'd feel pretty comfortable if you want to keep two backs on your practice squad and Wilson and Taylor ended up being those backs. I don't know. A question worth considering as we head into the third preseason game. As far as the offensive line goes, I think, kind of like we talked about at the end of the last episode, what's going to come down to, what it's going to come down to, is just the positional realities of offensive tackle versus offensive guard versus the rest of the roster. Because we know two things. We know that the Packers really like their backup tackles, Rashid Walker, who is not a safety, Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta. We know that they've got Yash Diamond. We know that, I guess, they've got two other tackles, uh, David Bakhtiari and Zach Tom as well. So you're up to seven there already. How many can you really keep? Because you've got to have two guards in a center at least, and probably at least one backup guard and or center. How many tackles can you really keep? It's probably not that big of a concern if you're thinking about getting these guys through to the practice squad because, well, practice squads being what they are now, you feel pretty confident that you're going to be able to keep your guys just because teams like who they're familiar with. But tackles are so valuable that you can't just, I think, cut them willy-nilly either. How do you weigh that? I don't know. I don't have the answer here, but I think this is a this is a serious question you've got to think about as you're doing, you know, roster projections going into this final final preseason game. Are any of these guys so bad that you have to just say, okay, we're going to go ahead and move on? Are any of them good enough that you'd seriously worry about them them getting sniped if you expose them to waivers? And how do you, you know, weigh the reality that you need interior linemen and you need backups on the interior with the other reality that tackles are just generally more important. You need to have them. They're, they're more rare than interior offensive linemen. And you've got some guys that you really like here. 
The Packers kept Caleb Jones on the active roster for most of last season, despite him being sick for a big part of it. They kept Rasheed Walker around and played him four snaps all year. Luke Tenuta was very very similar. He was almost exclusively a special teams player and didn't play all that much on special teams anyway, but they kept him around for a long time because they really value their tackle depth, and you understand why looking around the rest of the league, tackles are just so important to your offensive line. What's the rub there? Where's the breakdown? How do you ultimately decide how to sort out your offensive line room? I don't know, but it's a it's a tough question that Brian Gutekunst is going to have to answer. We can talk, I think, a little bit more, I don't want to say authoritatively, because who really knows about this stuff, but we can put a lot more numbers on the wide receiver battle. I don't know how many receivers they're going to keep. I don't know how many they should keep, but I think we can agree on two things. First, there are three locks at this point. Christian Watson is going to make the roster. Romeo Dobbs is going to make the roster. And Jaden Reed is going to make the roster. Outside of that, you've got, I think, four or I guess five guys competing for roster spots, four through six, maybe, four through possibly seven in the receiver room. Those five are Samori Ture, Dontavion Wicks, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, and Grant DuBose. Now, player by player here, here's what we know about what they've done in the preseason. Samori Ture has played 55 snaps on offense so far this year. He's had three catches for 56 yards. He's also gotten some looks as both a kick returner and a punt returner. The really important thing to consider with Ture is where he's playing on offense. His snaps break down much differently from anybody else who's contending for a roster spot in the four to whatever range. He has played those 55 snaps on offense, but of those 55, 37 have come in the slot. He's played 15 out wide, three snaps in line as sort of a wing kind of player. Of the rest of the receivers combined, Wicks, Melton, Heath, DuBose, 16 snaps total in the slot. It's really a different role for Ture than just about anybody else who's really a contender for the roster. So keep that in the back of your mind as you're thinking about the receiver room heading into the one and only cut down of this training camp. Dontavion Wicks, 39 snaps on offense, 33 out wide, five in the slot, one in line. Hasn't done a ton on offense, three catches for 68 yards, but that's pretty decent yards per catch average. I think he's got a really good shot here being a draft pick from this season. Different kind of body type from most of the other competitors here really outside of Malik Heath. Bo Melton, who we've been high on pretty much since the Packers claimed him late last year, just 22 snaps on offense, 21 out wide, one in the slot, one catch for three yards. It kind of seems like the door is closing on Bo Melton. He just hasn't produced given the opportunities, has gotten a, a strange breakdown of opportunities there. Uh, that's, that's, I think, for his body type, a smaller, quicker sort of guy. Not seeing him play in the slot very much at all is a little bit puzzling and surprising, and it looks like they're just having him out there to eat up snaps in the preseason. Malik Heath, a big-bodied outside receiver. See if you can figure it out from his snap breakdown. 65 snaps on offense, 59 out wide, 6 in the slot. The Packers like him outside in their offense, and he has produced when he's been out there. Eight catches, 111 yards. The Malik Heath show in the preseason has been interesting to watch. The question is, can he compete physically against non-backup sorts of players? I think the answer is probably yes. I just think the ceiling for him is going to be 
a possession-type receiver in the mold of a Geronimo Allison, a Juwan Winfrey, which can be a profitable sort of role to occupy, and you can you can make a living doing that. It's just going to be a question of how much he can really contribute, and there's going to be a cap, I, I think, on what he can contribute with his relative lack of overall speed. Finally, Grant DeBose. He's had one game of preseason action, 23 snaps on offense, 18 out wide, four in the slot, one in line, two catches for 27 yards. I think of those five contenders, Therese got the best bet, so I would pencil him in probably as the Packers' fourth wide receiver. Then Malik Heath after that, just given what he's produced, so we're up to five at that point. Other than that, you're looking at DuBose, Melton, and Wicks. Wicks, I think, gets the nod because he is the draft pick. Melton just hasn't produced enough, and we haven't seen DuBose for long enough. I'm pretty confident they could probably get DuBose through to the, the practice squad if they do end up cutting him, and I think they probably will. Switching over to defense, three positions I think really worth looking at at this point, unless you really want to get in the weeds and start talking about cornerback five or six or something like that, but that just more comes down to what you want in terms of numbers than I think the quality of player at that point. Three questions, though. Uh, three, three positions with question marks, though. One, just a really small one. On the edge, we've talked about that being the most locked-in position group of the entire roster in this training camp. The Packers have five guys that I think are, are essentially locks there. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Nets, J.J. Anigbari, and Justin Hollins. Five all locked in last year. But as we've talked about a few times, and I think the, the originator of this idea was Paul Brettel of, of Packers Wire. I think we even cited him in a previous pa- in a previous podcast episode. But the idea of redshirting someone just because you like them. I don't think you can dismiss this out of hand because of what we've seen the Packers do in the in the recent past with guys they kept on the roster with apparently no intention of playing at all. Your Rashid Walkers, your Caleb Jones type players, uh, Jonathan Ford on defense. These guys took up roster spots essentially all of last year and played, well, four snaps between them. The Packers are willing to do that. And for a position as valuable as edge rusher, if you like Brenton Cox, why not try to do that? I think there's a case to be made there. Are the Packers really so talent-rich at other positions that you couldn't justify sneaking Cox through as your sixth edge rusher? I know that's going to mess some things up, maybe on the back end of your safety or cornerback depth chart. But given where the safety room is, at least, who are you going to sacrifice at, in, at a more position, <laughs> more more important position group just to keep a fifth safety, given what we've seen from the Packers' safety this year? I know Rich Bisaccia likes his safeties on special teams. Maybe you just say, hey, Rich, we're going to have to do without a little bit because we've got a guy who's actually got some potential here at a position that's more important than our lackluster number five safety. I think that's just the reality of how football works, that you might have to to do something like that if you really think you've got something in Brenton Cox. On the defensive line, this, again, is more of a question of how many you end up keeping. I think I would like to get to six defensive linemen, which makes it a little bit hard to justify keeping a sixth edge, but just in terms of needing bodies there, you need to keep more than you probably think you should. It's not like anybody's really blown up as the sixth defensive lineman, maybe even not as lineman four or five either, though Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks have apparently been quite good, and I think Carl Brooks is bearing out some of the things that we talked about pre-draft in terms of his production being you know, still pretty good in college despite playing in a pretty small conference, the MAC. But 
where do you go from that? You've got Kenny Clark, you've got Devontae Wyatt, you've got TJ Slayton, all locks or about as close to it as you can get. Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks are probably going to make it as draft picks, and they've both played pretty well at times in the preseason. But beyond that, your winner is probably Jonathan Ford by default. If you're really looking here, though, if you really want to keep a sixth defensive lineman, I think this is a place, this is a time where you might want to look outside the Packers roster. Look for some athletic big body that just gets released elsewhere, maybe for a good reason or a bad reason. Who knows? Maybe somebody who has great gifts but hasn't athletic make great athletic gifts but hasn't put it together yet in the NFL and you roll the dice there because the the guys the Packers do have as a potential sixth defensive lineman haven't been overly inspiring to this point and maybe you just try something different. I don't know, just theorizing a little bit out loud there. Finally, at safety. Again, probably not Rashid Walker or Yash Nyman. The contenders though, Rudy Ford, Traverius Moore, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson, and Dallin Levitt, along with Innes Gaines, I guess, nominally, though he hasn't played at all yet due to a series of of little nagging injuries. Bummer of a way to go if that's going to be the end of his time in Green Bay here. But the contenders, like we we said with the receivers, we can put some numbers on this. Rudy Ford, I think the, the clubhouse leader right now, so far 37 snaps on defense, including five as a slot corner, only six on special teams, which is somewhat of a surprise considering that was his calling card when he arrived to Green Bay last year. Four of those um, six snaps have come on the field goal and extra point block team. A smaller role, again, than I'd have guessed for him, but they're probably fairly familiar with what he can do on special teams. And if they really like him as their starting safety next to Darnell Savage, well, shoot, he'd probably want to keep him fresh. He's uh, put up two tackles, including one tackle for loss uh, so far in the preseason. Tarverius Moore has played all over on the defense, 43 snaps, broken down pretty evenly between deep safety, slot corner, and some time in the box. Also has played 10 snaps on special teams, has posted five tackles so far uh, in the preseason. Jonathan Owens, 42 snaps on defense, split pretty evenly between playing deep and playing in the box, has played eight snaps as a slot corner, but just five snaps on special teams. That has never been something he's really done in the NFL, has not really been a core special teams type player. Has not done a lot statistically despite playing quite a bit, too. One tackle, one pass defensed. Anthony Johnson, 63 snaps so far on defense for the seventh-round pick. That sounds good at first blush, but it's not always a good thing to be playing a ton in the preseason. There are just a number of snaps that you have to soak up and get through in the course of a preseason game just to get to the end of the game. i got to have somebody out there. Sometimes it ends up being you. I think it's a little bit different for Johnson, given how he's risen up the depth chart, it seems, through training camp, reading the tea leaves. They seem to just want to get a look at him, so they're getting a big, long look at him. Of the safety contenders, he has played the most by far, because on top of those 63 snaps on defense, he's also logged another 21 on special teams. It counts for something. As we say every time, or every year at this time, nothing is nothing. There is no point of information that you can really discard, but you know that not all of it matters either. It, it's You can't just discount it. You also can't spend too much time agonizing over everything either, but he's played 84 snaps. That's a lot, even for a seventh round pick, even for a guy that they might just be using to be out there to take up space. He's also produced. The numbers are there. 
seven tackles, two passes defense, two special teams tackles. He's been getting involved when he's out there. Yeah, it hasn't always been perfect. He got suckered, I think, pretty bad late in the uh, in the Patriots game. I don't actually remember where it was during the game. Every point of a preseason game feels like late in the game because you've got guys you've never heard of out there at all points in the game. But he did, he and uh, Carrington Valentine both, I think, got beat together on one deep plan. I can't even remember when it was during the game. But he's always around the ball, it seems. And that's a good thing and kind of what you would expect for a, a safety that converted from corner in the not-too-distance past. The the ball skills have always been a, a strength for Anthony Johnson. And he's shown that, I think, at least getting to where the ball is pretty regularly so far in the preseason. Finally, Dallin Levitt. He hasn't played all that much. 19 snaps on defense all in week one, another eight snaps on special teams, has three tackles total, one special teams tackle. Trying to read the tea leaves here. I feel like Rudy Ford has a really, if if he's not a lock, he's got a really good shot here. Tervarius Moore, too, seems like he's probably got a pretty good shot. So between those two and Darnell Savage, you've got three guys. Do the Packers keep five safeties? If so... The fourth one might be Dallin Levitt, just because of what they've seen from him in the past, just because he's Rich Bisaccia's kind of hand-picked guy. He or Anthony Johnson would be my bet for safety number four. I put Johnson ahead of Jonathan Owens just because he's cheaper, just because they have longer team control, just because he's probably got longer or more upside long-term. It's hard to find a clear path to the roster for Jonathan Owens, because everything that he does, it seems like there's somebody else who does it better or cheaper. Uh, Tervarius Moore, I think, is, has been better as a defender in the preseason to this point. Anthony Johnson has played more on special teams and has been more involved on defense than Owens has. Levitt, for sure, is a better special teamer because Owens just hasn't done it all that much. It looks like he might be the odd man out in the safety room but then again, who knows? I think anybody who says they do know what the Packers are going to do at safety is probably fibbing. But this is the time of the year for a little bit of fibbing. Who knows? I sure don't. But we're getting close. Preseason game, number three is bearing down on us. From there, it's 4 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday for final roster cuts. And then we are on to the regular season. It's coming fast. Training camp seems to go faster and faster every year, but we are just about to the end for the 2023 edition. Thank you so much for riding along with us because that's all I've got for you. Really, I guess on this last training camp episode of Blue 58, the next time we talk, we'll be trying to sum up what the Packers did with their roster in final cuts, final reactions, any surprises, any surprise roster claims, stuff like that. We'll be able to figure that out the next time we are together. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. I would appreciate it if you would share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.